Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. We got a real fun show for you tonight. Time out, magic movies. We got a smaller panel, uh, but a good one. Uh, these are going to be movies with that are about magic, as in. Mag real magic within the universe, or it can be magicians, illusionists, what have you. Uh, so, we got a great panel to talk about this. Spence, which song do you prefer? Magic by Rivers Cuomo and B.O.B. or Magic uh, by the band Rude? I, don't, I haven't heard the first one, but because it's Weezer, I'm going to vote against it. That's fair. <laughs> I'm a little sad by that, but that I set you up for that. Uh, Kirk. Which one do you prefer? That one that's like, do you believe in magic or uh oh, 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 it's magic? Oh, I, I think the first. I don't know either those ba the bands are, but I think I like the first one better. That's fair. I don't know the bands for either of those either. I think one of them is called The Love and Spoonful, I think, and the other one's called Pilot. That's right. That's I know there's a bands. band. There is a band called Love and Spoonful. I know that much, but other than that, I, yeah, I think they're the Do You Believe in Magic? Yeah, that's them. Anyway, already off the rails. That's okay. We'll get started in the show. First segment of the show, as always, your favorite movie you log this week. We watch a bunch of movies. What's the best one you watch this week? Spence, I'll start with you. Oh. Okay. I think there's a very generic answer. I think it's been brought up on the show before. So while I could pile on about the number one rated movie on Letterboxd, everything ever, all at once, uh, I'm instead going to talk about... I watched a movie for the first time this week, sort of a classic, you might have heard of it. It's called The Exorcist, uh, <laughs> which almost perfect. Uh, I, I'm really happy I got to watch it. I don't really have any like super deep or like new thoughts. It's just really refined and smartly made. I didn't know why we just opened in Egypt or in Iran of all places. Uh, we were going to try to just jump into the movie, sort of surprised about it, but... <laughs> Whoa, that's, I don't know what that's about. Uh, that's from last week. That was just, that's not a spoiler or anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just a really smartly made movie. I give it four and a half on the rewatch. It might go up to five. I just, fucking awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, uh, The Exorcist is one of those movies that I had not watched uh, for a long time. And then I want to say I watched it, it was either this year or last year. Uh, yeah, that genuinely, like, just one of the most well-made horror movies of all time. The way, like, this movie is given so much dignity by all of its actors. Like, this could have been a pulpy movie, but the film just treats it with such dignity and class, while also not forgetting to make it genuinely scary. It's, in my opinion, one of the best horror movies ever made. Kirk? Uh, yeah, I came to this late too. I only watched it for the first time a year or so ago, and kind of the same thing. Like all I ever heard about was like, "Oh, it's so scary, and it's going to freak you." And that's kind of why I avoided it because people told me how scary it was. It was going to like affect me psychologically, and I feel kind of robbed because it's just a great overall movie. It's a really well-made movie, a really good story, and I realized that they never show clips from anything except like the last twenty minutes of this movie. I feel kind of robbed so, until you see it. You're never going to uh, like get a full idea of what it's about because this whole like character study and there's like a lot of really interesting things going on so um no i really like i said i, I wish i would have came to it sooner um uh, it's what i really enjoyed absolutely uh so now we go to me my favorite uh movie i logged this week i'm going to go with I don't want to do any rewatches because most of these I've talked about before. So I'm going to, yeah, let's do that one. Uh, I watched uh, a film for the first time uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, I watched The Station Agent yesterday, and I really like The Station Agent. Uh, for those who don't know, that's um, 
Peter Dinklage, Tom McCarthy directed film. Basically, Peter Dinklage stars as uh, this person who has inherited a train station um, that is not really in use anymore from his friend who died. And he forms a friendship uh, with uh, two people, Patricia Clarkson and Bobby Cannavale. And it's it's a really charming little indie dramedy. Um, I liked it a lot. Bonnie, Bobby Cannavale is so good in this. Like, I have finally stopped thinking him as the guy from Paul Blart Mall Cop, and now I actually recognize him as a legitimate actor. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really like The Station Agent. This was, this was a really good movie. Uh, Spence, you ever see The Station Agent? I hate everything you choose to be. That's fair. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Kirk? I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Uh, it's one of those just been out there. I'm a, I'm a big Peter Dinklage fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's just really fun to watch, so I'd like to check this out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend it anyway. Kirk, let's go to you. We're driving right through the show. Uh, I got to wa- watch Coda for the first time this past week. And um, first of all, this was the mo- a movie first time in I don't know how many years everybody in my family, since my children were like very small, we were watching cartoons. Probably the first time that we've all four of us said, Hey, we would have watched this movie. I would have watched this movie. And we all sat down, everybody watched it, everybody finished it, and everybody went to bed early, and we all loved it. Um, I think this movie is great. Uh, I and I, I was curious to see what I would think about because I've heard like very positive things, very negative things from different people. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. Um, anybody making the Disney Channel comparisons, like Disney original movie, they must have checked out after like the first 10 minutes of the movie because there's so much more than this. Um, this movie is fantastic. Uh, I just love you. I think you alluded to it in your review, Boatman. It's a movie that's very specifically about these people and their unique situation, uh, but it's also very universal. Uh, and there's it's, it's a movie I love. I, I, it kind of had like Lady Bird vibes for me. And you know how much I love that movie. It just where this every character has something real you can latch onto and connect with. I love that about it. And the acting is fantastic. Um, Troy Kotzer and Marley Matlin are so good. And just watch this. I thought about like the level of difficulty they have um, acting as, as, as hearing impaired people because if you're acting, even if you're acting with in like with a different language, even if you're listening to language, you're still listening to language. You understand the concept of language, uh, spoken language. Uh, but you know, for them to you know express themselves and communicate those roles and what they're feeling uh, with you know sign language, which is something most hearing people really can't wrap their head around, um, it's going to be so difficult. And uh, they're so good. I think I, I, even, Troy Kotz was great. I think Marley Matlin was a standout. I think she's so good in this. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you just said, Kirk. I I had such a good time with Coda, and I went back and rewatched it not too long ago uh, with both my parents actually, and they both loved it, and I loved it even more on rewatch. I think this is a movie that I will definitely see myself going back to uh, a lot because this is just such this is such like a comforting movie, yeah. but it it's not necessarily a small it's not small yeah it's not yeah it's a movie that feels still complex it's comforting while still being complex and i think having a lot going on under the surface um yeah like you said i i still on rewatch i do think kotzer is a little bit better but matlin is phenomenal that scene where she talks the scene where she talks about her hesitancies uh, when her daughter was born yeah, is such a great moment. And had she been nominated, it probably would have been her Oscar clip. And frankly, I'm mad she wasn't nominated. I think she is phenomenal in the film. And I, I want to give credit where credit's due. Amelia Jones has such a difficult and almost thankless job in this movie because she... She has to do so much here, but she also, like, has to kind of just feel normal. She has Mm. to just feel natural, and she makes it look so natural that you kind of forget how good she is. Like, I I didn't even realize she was British, and, like, that's an American accent. She has to be doing an American accent, singing in an American accent, while also doing sign language and, like, what she does physically in this movie, like with her her posture and her 
body movements, like not even when she's not signing, like she, she's giving a really good performance that I didn't really get the first time. I, I think this movie is such a delight. Spence. And she walks 10 miles up a hill, both ways in the snow. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick on Kirk a little bit here. And I don't, and I don't mean to, um, like we talk about letterbox a lot about like how he's harsher on films and I feel like as I've like watched more and more, I've slowly started to like see where he's coming from. I'm like as you see more, as you're noticing more flaws and how movies have done it better. And I can just say this: I have not raw given a film five stars in a long time, and Coda broke that streak for me, like on a first watch, because it's just so incredible, and every part of it is really firing on all cylinders. I have like a couple of nitpicks overall with it, but I don't want those basically take away from how incredible the movie is and what it's saying and what it's doing and everything just sort of comes together in this really special film. And if you're like, Oh my God, it's so fucking, I can't even movie that, that made me feel happy. One best picture. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> Enjoy it. If, 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 if Kirk Kolakowski can love a film that everyone in this community is like, yeah, it deserves to win best picture. That's special. If Kirk's, <laughs> if Kirk liked a positive movie, Watch it because it's fucking great. <laughs> I will just say on the whole Disney Channel thing for a second. I I don't know where that comes from because is this movie like spectacularly well, like in terms of cinematography? No, I'll give you that. The editing, the sound design in this movie, both of those elements are phenomenal. Like specifically, the scene in which they cut all the sound out is such yeah. like. Directed so well. Yeah, and like just all the other sound elements in this movie, so phenomenal. I I think that this movie doesn't get enough credit on a technical level because I do think it's good. It's just not a flashy movie. It yeah. keeps the focus where it should be, which is these characters. I will say though, nothing in Coda is better than Determinate from Lemonade Mouth. So maybe you could learn a little bit more from Decoms. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that there's a part of me that wants to agree with you. 11-year-old fan vote is like very much just like, yeah, Lemonade Mouth. Isn't Coda just worth Let It Shine? Like, come on. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on uh, to your least favorite movie you logged this week. We also watched some not good movies in addition to the good ones. Spence. Oh, Spence, start us off. I'm going to cheat again here because I actually talked about my worst on my log this week. Wings on my new podcast with a bunch of people. Fuck it, it sucks. The movie I'm actually going to pick, though, is a movie that I semi-bonded with Kirk over watching because someone else picked just a deep cut. And I said, okay, I'll take it. We're out of time, whatever. And I watched Anthony Hopkins starring Magic, which I don't know what it's about. Anthony Hopkins has a little ventriloquist dummy, but he's actually insane. And while he's a magician, he also, like, I don't know, wants to kill people. Like, it's really, like, it's really poorly put together. Hopkins is fine. And it's really all you can take in most scenes is just him talking to, like, this still-moving puppet and still, like, doing the voice of it. And it's, like, none of it really works. And it wants you to have, like, this, it wants you to, like, not sympathize, but just, like, see this man's, like, downward spiral of the second he gets fame, like how corrupted he is by it, represented by the puppet, but it's really bad. Like the writing is pretty poor. His twist sort of comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, we got one TV gig. Okay. And now he's absolutely insane, which is like, it could be funny, but the movie doesn't really take it in that direction. It just says, oh, it's so tragic what fame can do to someone. And then half of it is like a puppet wanting to fuck a woman. And yeah, it's like, it's like she's a minor character. And then the movie entirely shifts its plot like halfway through to just go to a cabin somewhere on a fucking lake. Like it, none of it, none of it works together. And also it's on your watch list. So you could watch it still Boatman and like disagree with me. <laughs> See on, I, I was going to say, Oh, well, Kirk, let's go. I haven't seen this, but Kirk, let's go to you since I trust you more than I do Spence on seventies movies. Yeah. I but watched, now that I've heard that plot point, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I watched it too this week because before the show, because this is something I'd want to watch for a while. And I said, Oh, we're going to show on magic. I'll watch magic. Uh, give me a chance to do it. Um, I didn't dislike it as much as Spence did. Um, I think I find a little bit, I think, I think 
Hopkins' performance is actually pretty good. Um, you know, they said this is kind of like his, uh, like his tryout for Hannibal Lecter, uh, and he does he's doing all the puppetry and the ventriloquism and everything. And it's really good. It's kind of offsetting. Um, Richard Attenborough directed this, which is like I guess I was reading up on it. This was like his one for you in order to get uh, Gandhi made, which is kind of crazy because this movie is like completely off the radar. Gandhi's Gandhi, but anyway. This is the movie the studio wanted, uh, but yeah, it's all the story is all over the place. Like it's kind of like part like, th- like psychological thriller, but then there's like these like real like uh, it becomes like this like love story and like romance. It's it's weird. It's really weird. It's actually <laughs> this this puppet was the inspir- uh, R.L. Stein's uh, inspiration for the Goosebumps puppet. So, um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's not great, um, but. Uh, it, it, Hopkins' performance kind of is, is worth watching alone, I think. I, I do want to point out, it's also written by William Goldman. So directed by Richard Attenborough, written by William Goldman, starring Anthony Hopkins, should produce like one of the best movies ever made. And it is just like mediocre to bad. Like it's a yeah. weird, like everything is misfiring. Yeah, I, I wanted a lot more. Like, I was hoping for a lot more out of this movie. Yeah. Should I still watch it, Kirk, or you think this is one I can skip? You could probably skip it. Okay, fair enough. Banished from the watch list, 1978's Magic. Uh, so now we'll go to me. Miley, okay, I didn't watch anything terrible this week. I watched a movie that I gave two and a half stars. Just, And this is a movie a lot of people like. I'm sorry, I was just not big on it. Uh, this is a rom-com. Something's got to give. Uh, I, I personally was just... I think there are some charming things about it. I I think the biggest problem with this movie, I don't think Jack Nicholson has ever been a good romantic lead. I love Jack Nicholson. He's one of my all-time favorite actors. I think any movie where he has to be like a romantic lead, I have the same problem with Heartburn. I don't think he's a good romantic lead because I just don't really buy him in that role. Uh, And... The whole time you're you don't un, you don't really I don't think this movie sells you why Diane Keaton would fall for Nicholson. Uh, Diane Keaton's good in this movie. I don't think she's great or anything, but she's fine. Uh, and you know Nancy Myers, like you look at something like Parent Trap, which is a movie that isn't over stylized, but at the very least has like this sense of style. This movie just looks bland. Like, it's, it's just a very, like, nothing burger of a movie. Uh, it has, like, a stacked cast, and none of them really get to do anything. But I will admit, there are some funny moments. There's still that kind of Nancy Myers sense of charm to it. Uh, and the core story itself is not bad, but I just think it's a movie with a lot of missteps and not a whole lot to grab onto, but it's nothing awful. Like, it's a completely watchable movie I just didn't love. Uh, Kirk? I haven't seen this one yet. That's fair. Uh, Spence? Yeah, no. Nicholson, like, saying anything romantic to me just sounds weird in my head. I, I can't say, hey, you want to jump these bones? Like, I, I can't, like, none of that works. I don't know why he's been casted so many times, so that I have, like, zero interest in this. That's fair. I, I will say, the one romantically Nicholson uh, I do give a pass to is As Good As It Gets. I think he's good and as good as it gets. But they also show that it's kind of a hard sell for the guy. That like it, it he has to work at it. So he, I he, he has more sexual tension in fucking Chinatown. Like, I, I I don't like that movie. I don't get it. I Chinatown are as good as it gets. Chinatown. Like I, I love Chinatown. Oh, that's, I, that's I think it's great. So I don't like as good as it gets. I don't I don't fucking vibe with it. Fair. Uh well that was a tangent. Uh, Kurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I was watching some movies for you know potential things to talk about for the show. Um, and one of the movies I had a movie on my watch list. I thought, hey, what are different kinds of magic? How about movie magic? So I decided to watch an obscure little movie from the set from the eighties called FX. Um, supposedly, this movie is about a special effects expert who uses his special effect mastery and magic to you know fight the cops and the mob or whatever. Um, what it really is, it's about this guy. He, he's the special effects of the movies. 
he gets hired by the government to um, stage the kill the assassination of this mafia guy so they could hide him supposedly in witness protection. Uh, but reality, they're kind of setting him up as the patsy, and he has to spend the rest of the movie like on the run and hide and figuring out and solving the mystery, blah blah blah. And I was hoping like this sounds cool, and this is how it was kind of sold to be like it's cool, like he'll be doing like special effects things and tricking people. And really, all it is is it's it's basically just like discount MacGyver. Like he is a special effects guy, and he drives around a van that has like his special effects equipment. But it's basically just him using junk he has in his van to thwart people. And he's not really doing anything like special effectsy. He's just like, hey, here's I have some explosives in the van. Let's blow some stuff up, or you know, stuff like that. And you know, the third act's him. He's in the bad guys, like the the, the main mafia guys' mansion, and he's kind of just covering Kevin McAllister in his way through it. And uh, it's there's really nothing that makes him being a special effects artist special um, in, in this at all. It's not a terrible movie, um, but again, this is something I want a lot more of. I thought it was a great concept, and they just kind of blew it. That's fair. I've never seen the film FX. Whenever I hear the title FX, I don't think of the film FX. I think of that the channel, but specifically that intro that they would play during the commercials that would go FX, FX as movies. Movies. Yeah. yeah. But that's <laughs> in my brain forever. Spence, does FX have the movies? I haven't seen it. But if you go back to uh, YLS for top 10 movies that should be remade, I had this on there because I haven't seen it, but it sounds fucking awesome. And Kobe Bancroft agreed to me and it was his number one. So I'm actually really interested to watch it because it was not great. can be better. Did you just call Jacoby Kobe? I said Jacoby Bancroft. I heard Kobe, but that's too. Do you like baseball? <laughs> Basketball? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. Kobe Bryant is the basketball guy. You, you, you like cows? Kobe beef. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. All right. Uh, now we'll get into the actual thing of the show. We're just moving right along like Fozzie and Kermit. Uh, so uh, we'll get into the actual thing of the show. Magic movies. Any type of magic. Wizard magic. The real magic, illusion magic, whatever. So, Spence, we'll start with you. What's your first pick? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, have, I have like eight movies here. Um, let's. Go, I'll, I'll start with um, a very controversial movie so we can get started on a hot topic. Um, back to YLS Top 10 Remakes. Um, I said this is a movie that... Is I, I was it was my number one, not because it's great, because also because it's better than the original by a significant margin, and I'm gonna go with 2018 Suspiria. Okay. Not only does it have witches, it also has the act of performing magic through dance, which can severely fuck up and like brutally break the bones in Mia Goth's body, which is like one of the best scenes in like horror, in my opinion. Just to clarify, what Suspiria? 2018. 2018. Because okay. 77 sucks. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think 2018's Asperia, I think it I think it like captured its magic elements really well. Well while, while you do still have this background element of dance and political drama going on in Germany in the 1930s or 50s, I don't I don't remember. I think when it actually comes down to it, the magic the witches are passing down through their students is re done really incredibly. And I think it all builds this really incredible finale. That is fair. Uh, I've, full disclosure, I've never actually seen Suspiria. I have seen bits and pieces of it. I've never seen it all the way through. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I won't really comment on this. Kirk? I haven't seen uh, this one. I have seen the original. I like it. I think it's just like a weird, like, you know, it's just that, that what do they call it? Jollo? Jollo. Jollo, yeah. Um, Jollo? Like just yeah, always room. There's just like you know, just just like weird colors and just all kinds of odd stuff going on. I liked it, but from what I understand, this is a completely different movie. Um, so I'd definitely like to check this out, but I just haven't yet. That's fair. Uh, so now we get to my first pick, and I'm gonna go with yeah, I'll just get one of these out of the way. I'll I'm going to go with... Actually, no. No. For my first pick, I'm going with Wizard Magic. 
I'm going with Lizard Magic. I'm going with a wizard by the name of Merlin. Uh, in Disney's classic, The Sword and the Stone, baby. Uh, I love The Sword and the Stone. Uh, for those who don't know, this is kind of the ultimate uh, Boatman loves that everyone else is annoyed when Boatman brings it up, if you will. It is the Weezer of movies. The Sword and the Stone is the Weezer of movies, uh, which means it's great. Uh, I. <laughs> I love I love the Sword in the Stone. Uh, I I think my favorite well my favorite sequence in this movie is of course the Wizard Stool, uh, which is just one of one of if not my favorite scenes in all of Disney because uh, I just think there's it's emphasizing solving problems creatively and the different ways in which Merlin gets out of the situation against Madame Moon in the duel is so much fun and it's so, so visually interesting. But I love this whole movie. I love the three different scenes with Arthur being the different animals. I love Merlin himself as a character. I love Archimedes. Archimedes is so much fun. I love how Archimedes pretends like he doesn't care the whole time. And then clearly actually does care and saves Arthur on multiple occasions. Madame Mim, I think, is such a fun, wild Disney villain. Uh, and I, I like how chill this movie is. Like, it has those big scenes. But overall, this movie just is very relaxed. Like, you know, I'll, I'll admit, nostalgia definitely plays a part. But I do think this movie has legitimately great things in it. And even though it does definitely play to like my sensibilities, I I think it is legitimately good. Go to Kirk first. Like we're we're gonna have a fight. Uh, I haven't seen this one yet. I wanted to go to you first. Um, this is a sh uh, fuck. This movie. This is like a bottom five, maybe bo like bottom ten, maybe bottom five Disney for me. I think it is horrendously unfunny. The actual pacing of the film is really bad of not really like building to anything it's like significant. Whereas like it's like I know that you like this type of movie more than me, but I can't stand it. I don't think like its goals are set out clearly. It's just, hey kid, I don't got a dad. Here's some magic. And it's it's just them lounging around as like, hey, here's a thing you can do and not really what to do with it. So it's just, hey, you want to be a squirrel? You want to get fucked by a lady squirrel? And that's like 20 minutes of this, an hour and a half movie. That's, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Is it a chipmunk? No, I'm sorry. No. Squirrel fornication. There is no squirrel that, that, fornication. That, that female squirrel wants to fuck your boy war real bad, don't he? Like, well, this is... <laughs> then the B movie is terrible based on that logic. Okay, that's he's aware that it's bad and is funny. This movie again, it is it is uh, it is actively unfunny. The magic is done poorly. Its final battle is just animal, 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 animal. It doesn't fucking work. None of it works. I hate watching. I hate watching this. In fact, I have to. I'll have to do it fucking again because you picked out the deep cut an onshole, and I had to fucking watch it for you. And I despised every second of it. I never want to watch this again. I know it'll have to, and that makes it worse. I am sad. And Tim is mad, I would assume. I'm this isn't a secret. I've gone on about it before. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, well, no. Tim probably agrees with your take. But, like, he's mad I'm letting the show get off the rails, I would assume. Uh, so we'll get back on track. Kirk. Half an hour. We can, we can go off the rails a little bit. That's fair. That's a fair point. Kirk, your first pick. Um, I'm going to go with a newer movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, my first pick is going to be The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um... I'm a big fan of this play in general, and depending on the interpretation, like sometimes they'll downplay the mystical elements, sometimes it'll make it the center focus. And I think this is one that really plays up the magic parts of it. Um, you know, start off with I the the actress's name is slipped my mind, but the actress who plays the the sisters, Catherine um, Hunter. Yeah, Catherine Hunter, just so so terrified in this role, and just what she does physically and what they do with the effects and everything. Um, just even though like she doesn't get a ton of screen time. Uh, those characters, kind of their presence is felt throughout the whole story, and um, just the way the movie shot with the you know the, the four three aspect ratio and that combination of stage and 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 and, and film, 
Uh, I think they. I, I'm, I'm convinced Cone used uh, Hamlet 48 for for his inspiration because if you've seen that, like it's kind of the same thing. Like it's it's very much a movie, but like you can kind of feel the edges of the stage at the same time, and that's how this is. Where like you, you feel like anytime the characters, if they left, if they walked, you know, five feet to the left or the right, they just disappear into the nothingness, and uh, you know that adds just like the, the unease and the otherworldliness of it. And you feel that, like, you just that just permeates the whole movie. And also, the way this character, the, the movie uses the character Ross, who in most, in, in the original text, the most version of the play, just really is kind of just there. The way they use him, he's almost like an agent of the witches, at least that's how I interpret it. So, like, even though they're not there, their, their presence is always felt through him. And um, you just feel that, like, that mystical sense to it the whole time. So, I really enjoy this movie. I enjoy that factor of it very much. Yeah, I I really like Tragedy Macbeth, and I want to watch it again because the fact that I enjoyed it that much on first watch, well, only feeling like I understood about seventy five percent of it, uh, makes me want to watch again with subtitles on, because uh, I think the the Shakespearean dialogue of it all was a little bit overwhelming at points for me, but that's not the movie's fault, I don't think. Um. So, no, this is an incredibly well-made movie. I stand by Denzel should have won the Oscar this year because um, he is phenomenal. This is, I think, one of his best performances, period. Um, I I love Tragedy Macbeth um, on a technical level, and I feel like on rewatch I can enjoy it from just a pure film level as well. Spence? Uh, ditto for everything you said, except for Denzel winning the Oscar. I personally, like for my actual rankings, he's third behind Garfield and Matt Damon. The last two But no, I think it is really great. It's just I didn't really connect with it because Shakespearean dialogue is like a 2080 chance to work for me. Uh, and so just, it, didn't, it didn't quite hit. I respect the hell out of it, but it's not a movie that I'm going to get behind probably ever. That's fair. So uh, now, Spence, your first or your second pick. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, we just got in a big fight. So I'm going to level it out. I think a movie that I know we both love. Back to movie magic, okay. but it's magic featuring a character from a movie. Uh, it is the Purple Rose of Cairo. <gasps> okay. You're forgetting. <laughs> Here's like, this is one of the most watchable movies I've ever seen. Because not only does it have like really incredible performances from already brought her name, we should have pulled it up. The lead actress, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. Yeah, Mia Farrow, and then Jeff Daniels comes in as just like the super charismatic, like adventurer, like less cocky Indiana Jones type. And then the actor comes in; he's just like a mega dick, and it's great to see like that range that he has, and all of the, all the people like trying to like investigate what happened to the movie and all the actors in the movie. They're like, how what? what is this weird shit that just happened? And it's also like 80 minutes. So not only do you have like this incredible rom-com about meeting someone who you can never be with, it also just flies by. So if you want to have like a perfect date night movie, I think this is it. And also this, like I have a list on my phone of like monologues or scenes from films that if I have a chance to audition for something I'm going to do, I think that Mia Farrow's scene where she's leaving her shitty husband is one of the best scenes that Woody Allen has ever written because it's super tight, it's super contained, and seeing her range of ready to leave him, being manipulated by him, remembering how she got to where she was, and then finally being able to leave him is an incredible bit of acting from them. Yeah, uh, everything you just said is correct. I love this movie. Uh, the one thing that you didn't really point out that I just want is I love the feel of this movie, both the feel of the real world, uh, which definitely still has this kind of more magical version of like the 1930s and 40s. And I love the world of the film. I love the way they make uh, the Purple Rose of Cairo within the film yeah. feel. And it feels like a real film. And I love, my favorite thing is that Jeff Daniels' character with, Jeff Daniels' character's character, I should say, <laughs> is not even like the main character within the film within the film. Like he's a side character that she falls in love with. And I think that's such a fascinating thing. And I love 
just the dichotomy of the characters arguing about what the film is really about. And there's so much like fun meta comedy, but it's just really charming. It's like, this doesn't feel like the movie that is like trying to show off how smart it is. This is just a real delight in my opinion. Well, I want to focus on something you said before I throw it to Kirk. Because, like, again, like the idea of being set in the 30s and 40s. So, like, this is like the like this is the Great Depression, Mm -hmm. and the idea of movie magic is this is her one time to get out of the house and really feel like she's outside of her world. So, being in there, like, it is magic. Like her watching the scene, and she goes back to the movie like every day, every week, because she wants to live in a world that isn't her own. And I think that's beautiful, and also sort of fits the topic really well. That is fair. Kirk, have you seen this? I haven't seen this one yet. It's what I really want to, and I think I'd enjoy. I um, think I you, you would enjoy this one. I think you would have a good time with this. Definitely check this out. It's super short. Uh, now we go back to me, and I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm going to go with a more obvious pick, probably my favorite movie about, quote-unquote, fake magic, if you know it, like the hand, illusion magic, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, magic. Yeah, like illusionists, whatever, magician magic. I can't words. Anyway, the prestige. I'm talking about the prestige. I like the prestige. Even then, that does get into real. It's complicated. Anyway, I love the prestige. Uh, the prestige is a very fun time. Uh, I love, I, I've talked about this before, but I love the dynamic between the two main characters in this. Because you have Borden, who is the technically brilliant magician, right? He is all about the technical perfection of the trick. He is about the the details, everything in that. He is the best straight-up illusionist between the two. And Jir doesn't have the technical perfection that Borden has. But what he does that Borden doesn't have is he's the better showman. He's the better magician between the two because he knows how to actually dress up and sell a trick, whereas Borden does it with no frills. And that dynamic between the two in their rivalry is so fascinating to me uh, because I love any film that basically kind of shows that dichotomy between being good at something and being charismatic with one character being one and the other character being other and how that affects their successes and failures. And I think that's so fascinating beyond that. I also just think this movie is fascinating and so well-written and the way the different timelines are shown and things are revealed about those timelines. is so interesting. I, I love this film. Kirk. Um, yeah, I, I assume this is going to get brought up. I love movies about obsession, and I love movies about like different art forms that you don't necessarily maybe think of as an art form, but people who are obsessed with that and who are like trying to like master those things. And uh, I, that's what I love about this movie. Like, like you were saying exactly about me, like how it's like the different takes and the different things that are necessary to be great at this. And both these guys have half of it. And they're trying to like get the other half, you know, try, you know, just cat and mouse with, with with the skills they have. And I think that's great. I just, I just love any movie that's a deep dive into some kind of craft, and you know, just really dig it into like what makes those people tick. So yeah, that's that's one of the things I really love about this movie. Absolutely, uh, Spence. This is my favorite screenplay ever written. Uh, I mentioned, yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's super complex. I think it's super well done. The fact that it balances so many different storylines and themes, and also has these different character voices, which to me is like really important in writing. The like the the only reason I didn't pick it is I, I told Cody about this for a while. I'm gonna do the same thing for Logged It. Is now that I've done my top 100, I feel like I've like used up all those movies. I don't want to keep going back to the trenches over and over and over. So I'm trying to generally generally avoid them when picking lists. So it's one of my number one, but I wanted to avoid it, but I'm happy it's here. Fair. Uh, so now we go over to Kirk. Okay. For my next pick, I'm going to go with another movie that I know Boatman loves. Uh, I'm picking Needful Things. 
Um, yeah! Everything's <laughs> coming up. <laughs> um, this is a movie. Uh, it's a Stephen King adaptation. I've never read the book, but I can tell you it's a perfect Stephen King adaptation. Like, it just captures his vibe so well. Um, it just takes, like, you know, small town life, specifically New England small town life, and uses the magic element to it to, like, just elevate and, like, hone in on, like, the horrors of that everyday life. And it's a perfect blend of the two things. Uh, Max von Sydow plays basically, uh, kind of a spoiler because you know Final Deepin, more or less the devil. And he comes to this town and he's um, giving, he, ha- he starts like a curiosity shop and people come in, he just happens to have things they want. And, you know, like what they, the thing that's like they, what they most desire. And to get it, they have to do something for him. And at first it seems innocuous, uh, but it's like he's 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 pulling the strings to basically just use his his powers to destroy this town and um you know it's like it's very it's very specific dark kind of magic that he uses but it's a very mystical and magical type of thing um but like i said i just love it it's just so it has like such a perfect tone of like humor and just like nihilism and it it's it, it's such a fun movie i i love it so much this lands on that perfect stephen king line of being just scary enough and just goofy enough. Mm-hmm. Like, it's exactly right in the middle between the two. I love this film. Uh, I think that Max von Sydow is so creepy and so good. Perfect, I love yes. everyone in the movie. I think he's fantastic. I think everyone in the movie is really good. Ed Harris is, of course, great. I think, though, that the, to me, the element of this movie that works so well is the psychological torture element of it all, right? Mm-hmm. He never he never does technically the bad thing. It is always everyone else does it. And the way that it just exposes the all it's psychological warfare it feels like Hannibal Lecter on steroids in terms of that just knowing what makes everyone tick and that is just such a brilliant move um and the whole cast is great and it's it's so creepy and so good I have not seen fair uh so we will move right along uh to whose pick me you. Yeah. I will say that your internet's not great. So if I, if like, yeah. Well, you talk and I will leave and come back. Okay. Uh, I am going to go for the Jeff Daniels double feature. Going from movie magic to TV magic, I'm going Pleasantville. Did you hear that, Bowman? I heard Intville, so I'm going to assume it's Pleasantville. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a super smart movie. Because I feel like a lot of the, I maybe maybe it's just because I'm not like as well versed in movies as you both. I don't see a lot of films sort of dissecting the modern perspective on the past, like how, the idealization of it all. So the fact that we have these modern characters slow slowly like corrupting the 1950s town by really just showing it for what it is. And the hate and the discrimination and and the, the the sexuality of everything, like you're seeing it for what it truly is, and not like us going back and watching fucking I Love Lucy. And I think it really is just like incredible what the film's able to do, talking about all of these heavy topics and slowly building to it. Because if you go in and don't really know what it's about, other than oh hey, people two people enter a TV show, I think that it, it creeps up on you in a way that you don't really expect, and you're and then you're hit with it at the end of just oh shit. This is like, it hasn't changed. We are still dealing with this today. And seeing like the government's response to the presence of color in this town is fucking mortifying and horrible. And it's incredible what this film's able to do. Again, incredible screenplay. Shout out to uh, people who I'm gonna stall to talk about this about because I like being correct in everything. Uh, actually, Bobby can help me out here. And Jeff Daniels, is it is it Joan Cusack who plays um, the fictional mom? Joan Allen. Joan Allen. I I love their scene of her wanting to leave her husband and just like that slow like the encroaching sense of love and lust for each other that they have at the diner and his paintings. It's just it's incredible. I fucking I love this movie so much. 
Yeah, uh, I haven't seen Pleasantville in a while, but I remember really enjoying it when I first saw it because I, I just like the satire of, you know, the, the tap, you know, this 50s sitcom. And then how it just kind of turns into a satire of race in the 1950s. And that's such an interesting, and it's really about how we idolize, you know, the past without really acknowledging, you know, the, the darker sides of that past. And I think that's so interesting. Um, and everyone in it is just playing it pitch perfect. And I think like the visual style, when color first starts to enter into the sitcom world is it looks so good. I, I really like this one. I want to rewatch it cause it's been a while. Also, That'd be your, favorite, your favorite man on the planet, Don Knotts, is in it. Don Knotts is in this movie. <laughs> a welcome addition, as always. Kirk? Uh, uh, you guys are hitting on my blind spots tonight. I haven't seen this one. Oh, wow. That's perfect. We need to trade movies. <laughs> I feel like you would definitely like this one. Uh, it, it's, it's on my list. It's- that's fair. So now we are back to me, I believe. Uh, so I'm going to go with another film about magic. I was going to go with a certain franchise, but then I remembered this film also count. Spencer, well, you don't have another pick, do you? Well, I, one- I, I, I have a proposal for the tenth pick, and we'll get to it. Okay, then I think I'll hold up for that proposal for the tenth pick, and I will, I will pick this. Then I'm going Spirited Away because uh, this is a film. The I'm I'm counting it because the villain is a witch, so I think that counts. It's it's magic, even though some of it is just ghosts. Um, yeah, I think that this one's just one of the most beautiful looking animated movies ever made. Like just an absolute gorgeous film, and just has such like a really interesting tone of feeling overwhelming at points and calm at points and being funny and being scary and being charming. It feels I the best example I can come up with is it is this decade's Alice or this air centuries Alice in Wonderland. It has that same Lewis Carroll feel of just being on a journey but with this still that sense of danger and the unknown. And it's just such a well-done film. I I love it. It's my favorite Ghibli. It's one of my favorite animated movies, period. Kirk? Uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest Ghibli fan in the world, but I'm glad it, it's getting some representation on the list because there are so many great examples of magic in those movies. Um, I There's another one I was concerned picking this one, but this is all picking. Yeah, you're right. Like It's a very magical world. Um, so I think it definitely belongs on the list. Um, it's pr- I'd say it's probably my like top five Ghibli movies. Uh, not again, like I said, it's it, I'm not a huge fan of the studio overall, but this is this is on the upper end for me. That's fair, Spence. I am almost exactly in agreement with Kirk. Uh, was not my thing because like I like my movies to have like a very like straightforward plot, and I think this one is a little bit is, is it, it falls in the, into the Ghibli whimsy of just being like a slice of life of, of existing. In a space I can't really get behind that thing. So I think this does it really well. I love, I think her name's Shihiro or something like that. Um, I love her journey and all the people that she connects with and just has some of my favorite like creature designs in Ghibli. No, wait, I, I have no slight with you picking it. That's fair. Uh, so now we get into Kirk's pick. Kirk, your third and final pick. I'm still trying to narrow it down because here's the thing. I picked like two dark magic movies and I want to pick something a little lighter, but I'm, I'm not sure which one I want to go with. Um, sure, I'll go with this one. Why not? Um, I'll go with Enchanted for my last movie. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I think this is, this is a great movie. I think it's just a great spin on the like a, like a, like a parody of Disney movies. Without being like cynical or mean spirit, I think it keeps like that same idea of them. Well, like exploring them and asking some questions about, it, but at the same time, like you know, still maintaining the spirit of those movies. I think it walks great balance. I think Amy Adams is great in this. Um, we went and saw it like my, my daughter. I think was like four or five when this came out, and uh, 
we like she heard my wife saw it like four or five times in the theater. I think I saw it twice. Um, but it took me a couple watch through. It's so, like at first I was watching some like what's good, like what is up with her performance? And then I it finally clicked like on the second watch through. I'm like, she's actually being a cartoon. Like she is playing a real life cartoon and she's so good at it. Like I think she's fantastic in this. And I think Susan Saran is great as a fairy godmother. Um, what's his name? Uh Timothy Spall as the uh as the little henchman. Um, they just they just like I said, they recreate that like Disney world in the real world so well. And um yeah, I th- I think it's just a really fun Disney movie. And yeah, it's a, it's another family Kolkowski family favorite, so definitely worth talking about it. Uh, yeah, uh, the the one element you didn't shout out that I want to shout out for a second because it's besides Adams because Amy Adams owns every second of this movie. Mm-hmm. But besides Amy Adams, my favorite element of this movie is James Marsden. Yeah, James right. Marsden is just having a blast. I think just one of the moments that has always consistently made me laugh is him fighting the bus, thinking <laughs> the bus is like a dragon. And fighting it and stabbing a sword into the bus is such a great moment. And he's clearly Marsden is just having the time of his life making this movie. I want to see Marsden in more roles like this, where he just gets to be goofy and have fun. Because, like, this is maybe my favorite Marsden performance period outside of him in The Butler. Because Butler's not a great movie. He's really good as JFK in The Butler. Um, But, yeah, I think he's so much fun... I stand by Amy Adams should have been nominated for this. I think she is that good. It's not a performance that normally would get a nomination, but I think she is, what you said is exactly right. She is playing a cartoon. She is playing a living cartoon and it is scarily accurate. She, she is perfect. Uh, Spence. My favorite, this sounds so pretentious. My favorite character in this movie is New York City because, again, every, like, every movie you know of is, like, set in New York and it has, like, a very strong New York voice. When I fucking went there, I could only think of Enchanted the whole time. Like, walking through Central Park, there was a band literally playing That's How You Know. And I'm like, this just feels <laughs> like I am in the movie. And I think the movie just has, like, such a great sense of place, both in its, like, idealization and the honesty of, of the city it's great. We saw it together in Iowa. We were all like, this just fucking rocks. I fucking love my Amy Adams musicals. It was just, it was a great time. Amy Adams musicals, all pretty good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now we get a 10th pick. Spence, I want to hear your uh, proposition for the 10th pick. So, we could be boring and do Harry Potter, in which case there's a few options for us. Or we could represent Tim, who couldn't be here today, and pick the most Tim movie. It also three letters start with the letter T. Ted. See, I don't want to, but I feel like we should. Even though I thought, I thought what you were gonna say is we should just pick all Harry Potter as like one spot. I mean, I'm fine with it. That's, that's a little boring. But what I'm saying is, that you is, do. Um, you're not wrong. I want to. What the hell is? What the hell is that? that would. Literally, I, it opens fans up. Like it is. It is this. It's. It's a thing for this channel. And sure I don't think he was here since he couldn't be here. So Tim, we love you. We want. I need you back to be my co-host because clearly <laughs> I'm out of my. Uh, this is the comeback, Tim. Pick Ted. Ted. Here you go. Uh, Ted is good, I guess. I'm not the biggest Ted fan, to be honest. I I like it. I I like it and understand why people love it. I'm, it's not, that Seth MacFarlane style of humor, it's not my kind of humor at the end of the day. I don't, I don't love the humor in this movie, and that's kind of my big problem. The one scene I like is the party scene. The party scene, and the, the Ted getting hired scene. That scene is funny. Those two scenes are great. I don't love the movie as a whole. Kirk? Yeah, I haven't seen it either, because I'm kind of the same with you. I'm not a huge Seth MacFarlane fan, and I look at it, and I'm like, when I see clips of it, I'm like, oh, it's just... Peter Griffin, but he's a teddy bear. Okay, that's I'm, I'm good. Uh, is, is is he actually magic? Is that the story? Is he does he come alive through magic? Like, he, uh, but, like Seth yeah, so as a kid, like wishes for his teddy bear to gotcha. be his best friend who okay. comes to life. Right. You mean Mark Wahlberg? I'll love it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, right, I so love I'm... this movie, but it's hard. Like again, every time, like if I if I could boil down like 
my like thoughts of Tim into one thing. It's Michelob Ultra Tuscan Orange Grapefruit. <laughs> my God, what is America? America is imploding or whatever. I I just it's always a lot of fun. Again, and it's not perfect. I think I have like a it's like a four on letter box. I think it's a lot of fun. There's some great like jokes. Sam Sam Jones is like Flash Gordon's his own thing. To me, I know the name because of Ted. And I think Mila Kunis is also great in it. I just think it's a movie that has a lot of fun to be had. And it's one of those like lighter, some like somewhat thoughtless comedies, I think just really works. And consistently, like when I come back to it, I hear new jokes. I'm like, oh, I didn't remember this one. I think I think it's just like it's like it's a quintessential like Sunday afternoon movie. Fair enough. Well, Tim, I hope you're watching and I hope you like that we need to pick a Ted. Uh, so uh, our picks, just to run them down, were Suspiria, The Sword in the Stone, great movie, Tragedy Macbeth, <laughs> The Purple Rose of Cairo, The Prestige, Needful Things, Pleasantville, Spirited Away, Enchanted, and Ted. Well, that was nine great movies. <laughs> I'm sad. Uh, anyway, uh, before we go, though, we got to talk about the movie of the month, Train to Passan, Spence. Is that, is that the transition? Just okay. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you want? What do you want? I, I thought you were just like, what are your thoughts? You just said my name. I'm just like, you just froze yes. me off. Well, yeah, I was like, we're going to talk about the movie of the month. <laughs> I would assume that means we're going to talk about the movie of the month. <laughs> what do you, what do you, here, here, I'll redo the transition. Okay. And now we will be talking about <laughs> the film Train to Busan. Now with Spence, who is about to give us their thoughts on Train to Busan. And we'll speak on Train to Busan to make the transition comfortable. Spence, are you ready to talk about Train to Busan? Why are you like the worst Australian I've ever seen this side of Grant Gregory? Uh, <laughs> anyways, it fine. I don't even think I was trying to do an Australian act. You weren't, and that's what makes it funnier. Uh, it's fine. I, I think I was a little bit overhyped because everyone's like, oh, it's one of the greatest horror movies of the 2010s. And I just don't understand, because I think generally the, like, the zombie genre especially, I think has a big setback in terms of its writing, where not only are you going to be killing off these characters that you're creating, you're also going to be having them turn against your leads. So you need to have like that emotional attachment. So not only when they die, when they turn, you're like, oh shit, that sucks, that happened. And I don't think the script does a great job at putting that all together. I didn't really get super emotionally attached to anyone besides my boy Gilgamesh. Um, I I like putting him. Is it, is it, I think it's Ma Dong Sok. I, I forget his, his first name, but I think he's actually great movie. I love his presence. Everyone else could not give a shit about. Um, the effects are fine. I like how like the I, I like this version of zombies more than like the slow walkie romero walking dead type i don't think it really works there as horror i think here it sort of works but you're i just creating a horror movie where i don't care about the characters and you've trapped it in a creature which doesn't like create any interesting or fun kills i think it's never gonna work the way it should there's maybe some zombie media that i think works better than this but this is just fine that's fair. Uh, what do you give it out of five? Hmm. Oh. Three and a half. All right, Kirk. I don't know what movie Spence watched. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm so glad that uh, this won the poll because this is a great movie and more people should watch it. So hopefully, uh, gets more eyes on that because of that. Um, but I love this. You know, I'm a zombie guy. I love zombies. I love Romero. I love the classic stuff. I think this is a great update. Um, I love the effects. I love the way the zombies look. I like the way they move. I just love the the, the interpretation of zombies in this movie. And again, Spence is crazy because these characters are great. Uh, most movie, most zombie movies are the characters are just there to either get killed or not get killed. Um, I felt connected to these characters, uh, especially the two main characters. I cried at the end of this movie. I've never cried at the end of a zombie movie before. Um, I've felt very connected to uh, to these characters and their story and their plight. I think it does a great job of uh, balancing the character aspects and the, you know them trying to achieve their goals with the, the the monster set you know with the monster story and i also just enjoy like the the setting on the train it has that kind of uh, uh snow piercer film it's, it's snow piercer with zombies and um i think that you know adds to the uh whole 
atmosphere, and I think they do a really great job. So, yeah, I love this movie. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I get four stars. Four stars. Okay. Well, thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Spence. Thank you to everyone at home for watching. Uh, this has been Multiplex Logged It. Uh, next week. Oh, yeah. Next week. I don't actually know off the top of my head what we have next week. Hold on. Spence, talk while I look up what next week is. We were almost under an hour, and then Boatman had to be unprepared. Uh <laughs> so mean, but fair. You're not incorrect. Uh, I think I can beat you to it. I believe, yes, it is Animated Villains. Yeah. Animated Villains is next week. Uh, so if you want to be on that, be sure to let either myself or Timber Colin know. I actually think, is that one booked up already? No, it's not. We got one. We got our no, that is booked up. I'm scratch that. If you want to be on animated, animated villains, too late. We already have that. So, thank you everyone for watching. I'm Caleb Boatman. Thank you to Adelaide Spence and Kirk Kalikowski. This has been Multiplex Blog. In case I don't see you, good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.